Hello and welcome to Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and my other podcast, The Big Topic in Women's MMA. Be doing one on Thursday with Schwan Humes. Okay, we have uh, last weekend, we had a, uh, a Ryzen show where the uh, Super Atomweight title was defended. And we also have an upcoming uh, Deep Jewels show announced. So I got Charlie Jewett all the way from Japan to come on the show and talk about that stuff. But, of course, we're going to talk about our other things as well. How's it going, Charlie? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. It's 10 p.m. on Tuesday evening in Toronto. So I'm just waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, anyways, let's uh, start with uh, uh, Asuka. Okay, Asuka uh, last week returned to Raw. She, after having dental work done, she's gonna. Uh, it's gonna take six months to heal, and then she's gonna get permanent implants. Uh, so uh, it was not fun, but she came back. She got a little bit of revenge on Shayna, and last night's Raw, she had a match against uh, Peyton Royce. A couple of weeks ago, Peyton Royce, of course, Peyton Royce used to be one half of the Iconics. Okay, with Billy Kay. And splitting up those two was a dumb decision. Never should have split them up, okay, because they had great chemistry as a tag team. Those two have been – went to high school together in Australia. And Mm -hmm. so uh, they have great chemistry. But individually, they're not so great, okay? So a couple of weeks ago, Billy went on Raw Talk, which uh, airs after Raw, and complained that – She's got nothing to do. She wants to wrestle Asuka. You get the idea. So last night they did that. And uh, I posted the video on my blog. It was okay. I mean, it was, I would describe it as a semi-competitive squash because there's no way anyone could think that Bill, that uh, Peyton could actually win the match. But Asuka gave her enough offense to make her look good. Okay, that's pretty standard for how Asuka operates. She doesn't like doing, you know, 30-second squash matches or anything like that. She wants to give – she wants her opponent to look good. Okay. Did, did it ever come out whether or not she did have a concussion? No. You know, she what she did is she went on a Japanese um, a voice messaging service that I, I believe is owned by J-Sports, and she – told the story what happened and she apparently shouldn't say anything about a concussion, but I don't think she had one, but it was going to yeah. take time to get the dental work done. Yeah. Cause you I know. know those implants, they have to do one procedure. Then they have to do another procedure after that heals. So that six yeah. month time frame makes sense to me. Yeah. So that's what's happening with her. Okay. So she won the match with her Oscar lock. And after the match was over, Rhea Ripley came out. Rhea Ripley Okay. Of course, is a former NXT champion, and this was her first appearance on Raw. Okay, so the original plan for WrestleMania was for Asuka to defend the title against Charlotte Flair, but Charlotte tested positive for COVID-19. So they don't even know if she's going to be available for WrestleMania yet. Probably will be. But what they decided to do is have Rhea come out and... You know, if you watch NXT, you've seen Rhea. She's a big girl. And uh, she's probably uh, improved tremendously over the past two, three years. And I know Asuka has, has wanted to work with her for a while now. 
Okay, so you know, I don't know. I would expect Oscar to win the win the match, but I would think that, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like it should at least be like a fun competitive match to watch. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Rhea's a big girl, but uh, Oscar doesn't care about that stuff. She could she can do work with anybody. You know, yeah. EO is the same way. And in fact, EO is going to be on NXT tomorrow night. Uh, she's going to be uh, teaming with a uh, newcomer, Zoe Stark, against okay. uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. And of course, this is going to lead up to uh, uh, EO defending the NXT Women's Championship against um, Raquel at the... Uh, at the um, uh, takeover show just before WrestleMania. Okay, so I get asked about this all the time. Okay, who's going to win? And I guess it depends. If the plan is to move EO up to the main roster, of course you should drop the belt. But right. if they're going to keep her down at NXT, then I would expect her to hold on to it. And the reason for that is the WWE has a thing for record title runs. Okay, so they like to mention stuff like that during broadcasts and stuff and things like that. And, I mean, Raquel is a big girl. She's like six feet tall. Oh, wow. Okay, second generation wrestler. Dad was a wrestler. And she's probably been the most improved wrestler in the WWE over the last couple of years. Okay, so she's good, but EO is a different animal. Yeah. You know, like she... The size difference doesn't matter to her. She's wrestled all the big girls there. You know, Ripley, uh, Charlotte. After Charlotte wrestled her, Charlotte only had one thing to say. I better up my game. (laughs) Okay, because EO is tremendous. Okay, I saw some match where she wrestled a giant man. It was for like a, that Lucha Underdoor or Underground. Yeah, yeah. They were she and over in uh, Lucha Underground for about five minutes there. Uh, they were actually on vacation in California. That's why they were on it. <laughs> nice okay. vacation. Okay. Now, uh, also last week they ran a vignette for uh, Sari Fujimura who wrestled in Japan as Sari, and in the WWE, she's going to be known as Sare, spelled S-A-R-R-A-Y. Okay, so she'll be making her premiere, her debut, fairly soon, probably after WrestleMania, I would imagine. Um, you know, she's a little bit different from the other two because, for one thing, she's a lot younger. Right. You know, Asuka is 39. Uh EO is 32, and uh, Sare is 25, but she also has 10 years experience. You know? Yeah, I saw her. I've seen her a lot on social media recently. I think she's been posting. I, thought she, I see a picture with her like, in like Richard Regal or someone, William Regal or someone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I follow her on Twitter. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. No, no, it doesn't you know? surprise me. Yeah, so, well, you got to keep track of these girls. You mentioned it, her a couple months ago, so I started following her, and I've noticed yeah, a lot she, more English tweets and a lot more pictures with kind of upper well, ups at WWE. She has that girl next door look, which is a little bit different from uh, what you see with either Oscar or Eo. Right. All right. Enough of that stuff. 
Let's go on to last Saturday's UFC show. Now, the big thing here that happened on Saturday was that uh, Julia Avila versus Ulia Stoliarenko was canceled because Ulia fainted at the weigh-ins. Okay. Oh, I'm here. Oh, they should do something about weigh-ins. Blah, 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 blah. But they're not going to do anything about it. It's for one thing. Any change that they would want to make would have to be approved by all the athletic commissions. So that's not happening. What I, I think, mean, they, what I think they need to do is keep a better, have their medical people keep a better eye on on fighters uh, the morning of weigh-ins. What I think happened here is she said on I think it was Instagram uh, she said uh, she said that um, she um, uh, had reached her goal uh, kind of early as far as right. uh, weight is concerned. And so she was sitting around for a few hours, and that's what caused her to faint and that sort of thing. Okay, so I just think they need to have the the, the medical uh, people keep a better eye on some of these fighters. You know. Plus, I mean, whenever people talk about this, naturally leads to people saying they need to do what one FC does, and that just well, tells me those people don't pay attention to one FC because they they, they don't one know FC's weigh-in thing is all in theory. No one's ever seen it in practice. Yeah, they they don't do their weigh-ins in public, so we yeah. don't really know what they do. But right. uh, it shows that you know, fan, most people don't really know what goes on over there. And, Plus, to support your point, I mean, if the UFC couldn't get all of the states to agree on what rule system to adopt, I doubt they're going to get them all to change their weight-cutting regulations. So. Well, you know, there there are competitive reasons for weight cutting anyway. I mean, yeah. Julia is, is really a featherweight. She was in tough 28, but UFC didn't hire her. So she decided to uh, drop to bantamweight uh, with the sole purpose of getting into the UFC. She uh, won a fight in Invicta, and that got her uh, a fight. In the U- that got her a uh, hired by the UFC. I don't think she's a fighter, but... She got her to the UFC. She can make a few bucks. Yeah. You know, I guess that's the bottom line. You know, okay. Any other comments on that or not really? Uh, I mean, the video made kind of the rounds on social media, but I don't see anything to come from it, so I don't really have any other comments. Yeah. So let's go on to the two fights that were actually on the show. First of all, we had uh, Montserrat Ruiz beat Cheyenne Buys by uh, – Unanimous decision. I should point out that these two fights are up on my blog, um, the video. Now, first of all, Montserrat uh, it was supposed to be Kay Hansen uh, fighting uh, Cheyenne, but Kay pulled out due to injury. So uh, Montserrat was brought in on short notice. Uh, she's from Mexico, trains in El Paso, Texas. You've seen her in Victor. She's kind of short for a, yeah. a straw weight. And... Uh, I mean, she's apparently was training for a fight in Invicta, so that's why they chose to bring her in. Cheyenne is from uh, Dallas. She and her husband train at Fortis MMA, and uh, she was on the Contender Series. So this fight here, uh, um, Montserrat used the headlock takedown, okay? And you know what happens with the headlock takedown, right? Okay, usually it turns into a rear naked choke. Uh, right. Or you'd be reversed. But she was somehow able to hold on to it. And 
I don't know if you watched the fight, but I kind of thought the ref at some point should have uh, broken it up because she really wasn't advancing her position. And well, she just the- stayed in that position and threw punches that didn't do any damage. Yeah, it's like it was a lay-in trick. It's one of those weird environments where, I mean, situations where it's like, why does her opponent not know how to counter that move? I remember in fourth well, grade wrestling, it was like, this is how you counter a headlock, but it just well, seems strange I, to me. I, I'm not that high up on Ruiz. I know everyone else seems very high up on her. But, no, I don't. I didn't like her when I started Invicta, so no. Well, yeah, I mean, her first Invicta fight, I mean, she has almost no striking skills. And well, she reacts very poorly to getting hit. Yeah, I'm not. I, I didn't like. I didn't like the whole deal. I, I didn't like the whole yeah. deal. I, I thought that it should have been. I should have. It should have been stood up. Yeah. You can't allow. She was basically doing lay in print. Okay. Right. That's what she was doing. Do I think Cheyenne should have gotten out of it immediately? I guess the girl has a, a pretty heavy grip, so I don't really. Yeah. They really say one way or another, but I looked at it as as a lay in prey, and so um, you know she did. Well, the general eat- reaction to the fight seemed to be quite negative. People didn't seem to enjoy watching the fight. It was more well, of the post fight stuff that people were talking about. Well, what happened at the end of the fight is uh, Cheyenne thought that uh, Montserrat spit on her, but I don't. Right. She actually did. I think she. Really well, what it looks like she did is it looks like she said like. Uh, some Spanish derogatory comment to her that made it look like she was spitting on her or something. Well, perhaps. But, I don't know. I, listen, I, I was not impressed with the fight. And for me, yeah. Montserrat has to show me that she could do something other than that. Yeah, because, I mean, that move is only going to take you to a certain level, and it's not going to be a high level. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I, I, I thought I, – I, I think – Depending too much on the referee to do the right thing. And in a lot of cases, the ref, you don't know. It depends a lot on the ref. And he yeah. chose not to break it up when he probably should have. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Uh, let's go on to the other fight that was on this show. And um, who the hell was that again? The Macy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It, was Ma- it was Macy Chasson beating Marion Renault by unanimous decision. And I'll give the short version. Uh, I thought Macy won the fight pretty handily uh, in the third round in particular. Uh, in the round one, uh, it was a pretty close round. I gave it to um, uh, Marion, but Macy came back in round two and looked a lot better. And in round three, um, uh, Macy won won the one round three, uh, so I scored a twenty eight twenty eight. I just wanted to point out where they train. Macy trains at Fort Sinai. Uh Marion, you know she's the oldest fighter in the UFC now. Yeah, I saw you. I heard you say that on one of your podcasts. Yeah. I knew she was up there, but I didn't know she was the oldest. She is now. Now that Overeem has been released. Yeah. Okay, and she trains at MMA Gold in El Dorado Hills. So her teammate is uh aspen lad i just don't know why they have her around still i mean well now she's lost in a row. she's lost four in a row now so i think maybe it's time for her to go 
You know, it depends. It was kind of like it seemed early on. Every once in a while, she put on an exciting fight, but that doesn't seem to have been the case recently. She's not consistent enough. Yeah. You know. So I see her getting released if her contract's over. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on to uh, Sunday um, Ryzen show. So uh, video is up on my blog because it's now up on the Ryzen uh, YouTube page. Ayaka Hamasaki uh, defended her um, Ryzen Super Atomweight Championship against uh, uh, Kana Asakura uh, by split decision. So I'm going to uh, my job is basically to analyze, is to see if the judges got it right or not. Uh, in round one, first of all, there was a low blow, like two seconds into the first round. And then uh, I thought Ayaka won the first round, but I didn't like this business of the ref stopping the action so he could check out Kana's um, eye. And uh, that's, a, that's a common complaint I have as well. Um, referees tend to be a way too kind of overprotective in women's MMA fights in Japan. So they don't do and men's fights? They're, they do it, but they're like, as soon as any damage appears or any blood seems to be drawing, they seem to get close to stopping it. Well, I tell uh, you what, here's why I have a big problem with it. I think it's quite possible that Ayaka could have KO'd it if oh yeah. the well, fight is not stopped. Of, um, it, it really killed the momentum. It reminded me of when Ayaka Hamasaki fought Jin Yu Frey the first time, Jin Yu Frey. And she won that fight, TKO to a cut, but the punch that caused the cut actually rocked Jin Yu Frey really badly and probably would have led to a knockout if the ref didn't stop in and bring the fighter over to the doctor and then kind of have a controversial cut stoppage. I don't, unless they're going to stop the fight, I don't yeah. like refs doing stuff like that. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Okay. It's as simple as that. It changes the momentum. It changes the tempo. It changes everything. So I gave uh, Ayaka the first round. Uh, I gave um, Kana the second round because I thought she. Ayaka made this stupid mistake where she ended up in bottom position. And instead of getting the hell out of it, she thinks she'll go for some submissions. But you're going to lose the round if you don't get the submission. Okay, a lot of fighters make this mistake. So she made yeah. a mistake. And I thought Kana won the second round. The third round, neither fighter I felt was particularly aggressive, but I thought Kana landed marginally more. So I would have scored round three and ultimately the fight itself for Kana 29 28. But in round three, again, I thought it was a very close round. And I think a lot of times in Japan, particularly, judges will not give the challenger a close round like that. They want her to be more decisive in her victory. Okay, so yeah. Plus, I mean, it's, it's always worth mentioning too that Japan doesn't do. I mean, it's I don't know how they do it, but they don't do the round-based scoring like we do. But. It, it, it is beneficial, I think, to break it down round by round. I think you got the rounds correct. The last round was extremely close because I think they were both kind of tired and not a lot happened until the very end. I think if Ayaka, I think if uh, it doesn't get stopped like that in round one, I think Ayaka knocks it Yeah, because um, I've noticed this trend recently where um, 
I think Ayaka is obsessed with knocking someone out. So ever since her Ham Sohi fight, so the Tomo Maesawa fight, the Miyu fight, and this fight, she seems to want to, she really wants to knock someone out. And so she's not grappling for the first round. And I think she kind of blew a lot of energy trying to knock Kana out. And since the referee stopped it, it kind of undid some of the damage she had done. Yeah. Did. So I think she kind of exhausted herself. And then when she was on the bottom, I think she kind of burnt her legs out going for all those submissions and holding Kana down like that. So I think, I mean, Ayaka I looked, I mean, she's 30, what? She's 39 or 38? She's, 38. Yeah, she's 38. So I think, I mean, she looked A when she turns 39 into the month, but she looked pretty tired going into the last round. So I think she was pretty exhausted. I think. Okay, so that's the big question. What is next? Is yeah. We talked about this a few months ago that we're not really sure if they're going to continue with any kind of women's division because, look, Ayaka is close to retirement age. There, right. there really is there anybody else who could even come close to her? So, I mean, the obvious answer to that would be Kana Asakura herself is not, may not be skill wise as high as Ayaka Hamasaki. But she's significantly more popular. And the fight was close enough that I could see them doing a rematch in the future if Kana rattles off a couple more wins. Ooh. So, Kana, I, mean, I, I looked at the Google trends and everything. The only other female fighter in Japan that is more popular than Kana is Rena. And Rena's popularity has been kind of going down recently she's, because she hasn't she, been doing anything. She's retiring anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, she might have one or two, like, show fights, but she seems – if you follow her on social media, she seems checked out. Okay, well – Like, she already has her feet out the door. Well, that brings us to Deep Jewels because they uh, announced uh, a lot of the matches for their next show uh, a few days ago. So, why don't you give us a rundown on what's going on? Let me pull that up real quick. Um, let me see. So, they're doing the finals for their tournament – which the, we'll have two fights. The winner will have to fight twice that day. And obvious favorite is Siwoo Park. You would think and so. And she actually has signed a long-term contract now with Deep, so she'll be around for a while. And in that contract, she is allowed to fight for Rising as well. And so she's the obvious favorite going in. She's already beat two of the other people of the four that are in it, and the other one... Ayaka, I mean, Aya Murakami, this will be like her second pro fight. So I'd say Siwoo Park is the heavy favorite going into the finals. And But uh, as far as the card goes, the more interesting matches to me actually are outside of the tournament. The uh, main event is going to be Miki Motono versus Seika Izawa for the strawweight championship. Now, if you know, as you know, the fight was canceled because Miki got injured, but this is it being rescheduled. And I think whoever wins that stands a chance of kind of being the next big deal in Japan as far as women's fighters goes. Well, are there enough strawweights uh, around there? Um, they can bring them up. And if they're both growing in popularity as well, Miki Matano is managed by the same person that manages Ayaka Hamasaki. And yeah, I. yeah, she's AAC. So, yeah, but she has the same manager as well. So I think. What they'll do is if he'll be able to convince Rising to bring in foreign competition to kind of build her up. But 
Also on the card is a fighter named Yukari Nabe, who is in the same weight class as like uh, Sugiyama and Watanabe Kana. Isn't she kind of old? Uh, I think she's like in her lower 30s. But I will say she trains with Murata Kanako and Sugiyama. And she's 33. But um, she seems quite strong. So I'm kind of interested to see what happens to her as well. Hmm. So we've been calling Siwu Park since uh, they announced this one, right? Oh, I mean, she's got to be the go-to favorite. Um, her opponents, let's just go through. So it's Siwu Park, and then there's Saori Oshima. Saori Oshima is a very talented judo fighter, but she's also a natural microweight. So she's and too small. She's the shortest. She's very small. She's the shortest person in the tournament. And she, when she fought Siwu Park, she was able to get Siwu Park down but she had a hard time controlling her on the ground and she was not able to strike with her at all. And Hikaru Aona is also fought Siwu Park. She's a very talented wrestler, but she was TKO'd by uh, Siwu Park and kind of forced her against the cage. And Aya Murakami is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappler. So and Siwu Park's been training a lot with uh, Miyu Yamamoto yeah, in preparation yeah, yeah. for this. Yeah, so, I mean, you got to think that her wrestling defense is getting better. Mew, st- Mew should stick to coaching. I, mean, I think she's stuck in Japan because of COVID. And so I think she's trying to rebuild her brother's gym yeah. while she's here. So I think she fits and she's doing a much better job. Before her, it was her son that was doing it. I don't think he was doing a very good job. But she has successfully brought Siwu Park to the gym. And she's brought Itsuki Hirata to Crazy V as well. And so I would like to see her as well start training those two. Well, maybe she's building something there. Yeah. I mean, Itsuki Hirata is probably the most popular Japanese fighter in 1FC right now. So hopefully, I mean, if she stays, I think she can keep doing it. But I predict that she'd just go to Guam to be with her husband and family as soon as she's allowed to. So when is this show? Uh, it's in May. A lot of these shows, the next rising show is going to be in May. And the there's a big holiday in Japan. They call it Golden Week. It's like a week that everybody yeah, gets off. It. It's like Japanese spring I'm break. I'm aware of it. So in Golden Week will be the um, Deep Jewels show. Okay. I just wanted to mention that the uh, video for uh, Ayaka versus Kana is up on Ryzen's YouTube page. And I have posted the video on my blog. Okay. Oh, yeah, and I would also like to and pass and on back to that. Their fight is the most viewed fight from that event, and Kana's interview is the most viewed video total. So I think it was a success for keeping women in the promotion, just based on how popular that one fight was. Okay. All right, well, you're, you're suggesting we might see a rematch at some point. Definitely. Um, I think they give Kana a couple of matches to build her up. Ayaka may be beginning to fade a little bit, and when Kana's peaking a little more, they might do a rematch, like a passing of the torch. You know how they like to do the retirement ceremony. I know ceremony, all about it. The torch I thing. know all about it. Yeah. I know all about it, but I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm interested to see where Seawood Park goes. I would also be interested to say they did ask Ayaka before the fight if she would ever fight Rena, and she was like, of course I'd fight Rena, so... That might be a match we see in the future. Really interested in that. No, that'd be more of a No kidding. Okay. 
<laughs> Let's go on to uh, this Saturday's UFC show. There's two women's matches on the show, uh, both on the prelims. The first one is at Strawweight. It is Jessica Penne uh, versus uh, Hannah Goldie. Okay. How long was Jessica Penne on her steroid suspension? Well, I was just going to get into that. We haven't seen Jessica Penne in the cage since 2017. She's already on a four-fight losing streak. She's 38 years old, and she... And she's not a strawweight. No, she's an (laughs) atom weight. And the thing about her is, you know, she trains at Alliance in San Diego, Eric Del Fierro, and she already works there during the day doing administrative stuff and that sort of thing. (laughs) So with the um, drug suspension and everything, I don't know why the hell she didn't retire. Because, look, she's not that good. (laughs) You know... I think she's good at atom weight, but she just doesn't have the physical ability to compete at strong okay. weight. Hannah Goldie is from Florida. Her full name is Goldschmidt. So she's a Yiddish maiden, as we call it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, she was in Contender Series a couple of years ago, and then she lost her first fight to Miranda Granger. And I guess the reason they like her is because of her looks. Because hers a lot of her fighting ability. Okay, so yeah, I don't know what, what we're going to see here, but I like I like the idea of Hannah Whitting and Jessica Penny retiring. Well, I mean Jessica Penny Whitting doesn't really do anything. For no, it doesn't. Okay, so give me your uh, give me your take on that fight. Well, Jessica Penny's strength has always been her grappling. She's got a pretty good jujitsu game, but. As I said, at straw weight, I just don't think she has the power or the reach, and her striking's not good enough to compete. Yeah, Hannah's 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 much bigger than her. I'm not as familiar with Hannah Goldie because is this her second UFC yeah. fight? I think I yeah. think she was supposed to fight last year once, and she got injured. Oh, I see that they're supposed to fight Loma Look Bombing. Yeah. Um, she got she got injured. I mean. Well, it looks like she beat Jillian Robertson, which is a pretty big opponent, which makes me think that she must be physically stronger than Jessica Penne, which is probably enough mm. to beat her. Okay. Let, Unless she gets submitted on the ground by someone. Let's move on to the other one, which is uh, at uh, flyweight. It is uh, Jillian Robertson. Yeah, <laughs> Jillian Robertson uh, versus Miranda Maverick. Okay, so Jillian is from Canada, Niagara Falls, Ontario, to be exact. Uh, For years, she's lived in Florida for years. She trains with Dean Thomas. Um, Her big problem, her game is wrestling, okay? Her big problem is her striking isn't good enough to get her her down in, uh, in wrestling. So, I mean, she has to do better at the striking or she's not going anywhere, okay? Uh, is it just me, or has Jillian been fighting a lot recently? Um, one of, this fight was postponed due to uh, COVID. Interesting. Okay, so I thought she fought, she fought twice last December. Yeah. Okay, that's why her name's been popping okay. up a lot recently. Miranda Maverick, originally from Missouri. Uh, she goes to school in Norfolk, Virginia, so she also trains there at House of Muay Thai. Guy's name is uh, coach's name is Jake Chamberlain. 
so I think they're mostly a kickboxing gym. But um, like I said, she's going to school down there. Um, you know, she's a younger fighter. Um, she's had one fight in the UFC. She, fans are probably familiar with her from Invicta. And, um, you know, we just have to see if she can win this fight, then she'll go up in the rankings, I think. Um, yeah. I think it's kind of a hard fight to predict because, I mean, uh, Miranda's level of competition up to this point hasn't been no. stellar. So we really don't know what her limits are yet. Well, I think what she need I think what she needs to do is stay on her feet and and oh, prevent yeah. any kind of takedowns and she should win the fight. I, you know, I mean, it looks like she yeah. has a reach advantage. J- Jillian Jillian has to take her down. And if she can't take her down, she's through. Right. Yeah. It's kind of weird that Jillian hasn't developed any sort of striking game to set yeah, up her takedown game, man. considering that she trains with Yeah, Dean. I don't know. I can't tell you. I can't give you an answer to that. I can't give you an answer. It just – she doesn't – she doesn't it, – it's good enough on her feet. I mean, she has to improve in that area yeah. or she's not going to last very long. Yeah. I okay. Agree. You got anything else you want to talk about, Charlie? Oh, no, that's about okay. It. Uh, again, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. Uh, all the videos that I posted are up on my blog. And don't forget as well to uh, check out my other podcast, The Big Topic in Women's MMA, which I'm Sean Humes and I are going to do that new one on Thursday. Uh, I want to thank Charlie for coming on the show and giving us his wisdom on uh, Japanese MMA. Uh, again, uh, don't, uh, don't forget to. If you uh, want to leave a, uh, a message you can, for my blog or my podcast, you can do so at Anchor's voicemail. And if you would like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do so at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Have a good week. We'll talk to you later.